0: Hey gang, I'm Nikki Croce, and you're listening to season three of Who the Fuck? Practically Unplugged. This season takes on a different format than the previous two, so instead of asking guests to share their stories, this time around, I'm sharing mine. Each episode is a snapshot of my life, recorded over the past several months as I navigated the grief that came with loss, the resentment and shame that came from abuse, and the joy that I feel now knowing I finally prioritized myself. So get ready for a deeply personal and, of course, authentic and unapologetic season. If my story resonates with you, it's amazing to see your feedback. So, pop over to your preferred podcast platform and share a review. Or, better yet, if you know someone who will benefit from listening, tell them to check out the show wherever they get their podcasts. You can always head over to who the FCK.com for more content and merch. So, here we go. Hey, gang. We are back, and there hasn't been a real flow to this situation, to be honest. I said that this would launch in August, and I have now leaned into November, and there is one rogue episode that's out there. Some of you may have caught it, but the thing about doing these unplugged episodes is that I... I do them when I feel like I need to get this out and I've been so apprehensive to be so vulnerable and rip off the band-aid and show it to people, even though that's the entire point of doing it. It feels a little like that nightmare I would have standing naked in the cafeteria when I was in high school and probably middle school as well. Who knows? Lots of naked cafeteria dreams. The point is, is that this is very raw and I'm fully aware of that. And I also am doing this intentionally and it's terrifying. All of these things can be true. All of these things are true. I've talked a lot about grief, about losing my mom, about the different type of grief, about a relationship that was over a decade-long ending with a really harsh realization that there was so much manipulation and psychological abuse. And ultimately that culminated in physical abuse, which was unanticipated. And that was all, you know, the first few months of this year for me. And the thing is, tonight, the reason I felt like I needed to do this is because My whole body is telling me. My whole body is telling me that there's something that exists within me that needs to not be there anymore. It's this feeling of toxic, tense, waiting for the other shoe to drop anxiety, except I'm no longer waiting for the other shoe to drop. The way the anxiety manifests physically is so familiar. My body is reminded of the emotional trauma that I went through. It is a very distinct feeling that radiates through my arms, my forearms typically into my hands. It's kind of this like almost a tingling, but it has a heaviness to it. And it feels as if my body is in this place of fight, flight, or freeze. And it's going into fight. But right now, because this is the aftermath of all the toxicity and the negativity and the abuse, there's nowhere to direct that. It was a survival mechanism before, and now it's a haunting and lingering sensation that no longer belongs. The problem with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder for anyone, anyone who may not know, is that it is so different for people because the trauma that leads to it is never going to be the same one person to the other. Because even if the events that occurred to traumatize someone are the same for multiple people, the way we as individuals respond is not going to be the same as somebody else or many somebody else's. And I really want to talk about this because there are so many people out there living their lives doing the things that we are supposed to do work have families take care of our pets take care of your kids spend time with family go grocery shopping watch crappy TV and For a long time, I couldn't understand how somebody who deals with this functions. If everything feels like a trigger, what do you do? And this is the thing. My ex would constantly tell me that everything was a trigger. All the things that she had been through, whether they are true or not true, I'm extremely unsure at this point. And so regardless of that, I learned a lot about PTSD and domestic violence because of what she told me she had experienced. And it was really important to me to understand as a partner. What I didn't realize at the time was, because I had put so much energy into that, I wasn't feeling how much my life was degrading as a result of the constant trauma loops that I was in with her. I've been in therapy for three years, just a little over three years, and now having gone through just so many experiences where I knew things didn't make sense. I knew that what I was being told was a lie. I felt it in my body. And this is what I feel now. It's lacking that sinking gut feeling because I'm not worried like I used to be. Just constantly in a state of worry. But I still feel the desire to numb myself from the reality that it was. And this is how I know I need to heal. There's always going to be more healing to do. And the thing about living in a state of constant hypervigilance is that the calm starts to feel uncomfortable. You recognize that if you appreciate something too much if you have a high high and you're feeling good about life and you're in the right place you're just terrified that it's all going to come crashing down and after 12 years of cycling through that my body is telling me you have to let this go you need to rescind that physical amalgamation of threat that has been woven into my body and mind. It's so hard to figure out how to explain it to people in a way that actually feels like enough, Because unless you've been through something that is deeply traumatizing in a similar or even dissimilar way, you can't, nor would you want to, give that feeling to someone else to explain it to them. And I think back on my life before I was with my ex And I had some traumatic experiences. I lost one of my best friends when I was in high school in a car accident. I've lost people close to me. I've had my own scary experiences in life with myself and my family, but they were manageable traumas. Whereas I became utterly absorbed by the trauma that was constantly around me and being created. Now, that's not to say it was fully intentional. The truth is that I will never know what was very intentional and what was not. I have my speculations, and I know that I was being gaslit and manipulated way more than I acknowledged when it was happening because the confrontation would continue to give me anxiety and then I didn't want to have to keep having those conversations. But whatever truth there is to it, it doesn't change the fact that my life was a dehydrated, shriveled up version of what it should have been while I put all of my energy and effort into someone else. Who had no desire to do the same for me. And we need to trust ourselves. We need to trust that we know when it feels like we know. Because I knew. I knew, guys. I knew from the very beginning that it wasn't right. And I couldn't tell what was off and I couldn't, you know, pinpoint it. And then there was love bombing and trauma bonding. And I was a shell of the person I could have been for my 20s and early 30s. I still somehow made it by. I still somehow managed to be somewhat successful, I suppose. But I didn't even realize how absent I was of myself. It was wildly apparent to other people. And I just deflected and defended. This is my partner. I'm going to stand up for them. But, you know, I realized that in being defensive, it wasn't that I was protecting that partner as much as it was that I felt like I was protecting myself from judgment. The same way it came up in therapy today that it wasn't really as much my fear of losing my ex when all of these crazy things would happen where she'd be in constant car accidents or alleged abductions or whatever it may have been. It was the fear of being traumatized even more by a loss like that. And I know this because losing my mom and having that realization that that's what unconditional love is. That's what family is. That's what somebody who is on your team does for you. Those things that my mom brought into my life that were wonderful and it's not to say they all were. I know they weren't. I could bitch about it a thousand times over. But the point is, is that she and my dad raised me well. They raised me to be a kind, compassionate person with a desire to understand and not judge as much as possible. You know, it, is, it has been a detriment to me in the past relationship that I was that kind and compassionate person, though. And I certainly don't blame them. Thank goodness they raised me that way. And it allows me to rest my head at night and be able to be okay. But someone who doesn't have those same moral standards, someone who wants to blame the world for their problems, blame anyone else but themselves, I had too much compassion for that person. And, you know, my therapist said to me today that (sighs) I really wanted to see my love heal my ex. And I said, I need to write that down because it's profoundly true. My parents would always tell me that I always see the good in people. And I admittedly often say that empathy is my greatest strength and my biggest weakness. And there's no one who loves an empath more than a covert narcissist. Someone who can play the cards in their favor, knowing that I don't want to see them suffer, knowing that I want them to be safe, knowing that I want them to have a good life, and doing whatever I can to provide that, even if it means bleeding myself dry, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. But now that I have the chance to step back and look at my life and ask myself, why I allowed it for so long, why I why I stopped prioritizing my needs for someone else's, It comes down to my own self-acceptance. A year and a half, two years ago, I couldn't even say I liked myself. It felt uncomfortable, unnerving, strange. corny, probably too, and not humble. And now I can look back, acknowledge that feeling, and also sit in this moment and say, I love myself. still feels a little weird to say, but I know I feel that. And it's important to acknowledge that because once I was able to accept myself and like myself and then love myself and not just exist in this state of self-loathing, wanting acceptance, fearing rejection, I stopped worrying about the confrontation. I took it head on. I let excuses be excuses when they were, and I took the time away that I needed to figure out who I am and what matters to me. And what I realized with this podcast is that from the very beginning, I've said we all have a story. Who the fuck am I? It's the question, right? We all have it. We all want to know. We're on this eternal quest to know who we are. There's no map to navigate it. And even if you had one, there'd be detours and you'd be lost every once in a while and hopefully you'd get back to where you wanted to go or find a new place you wanted to stay. And when I think about what this show has done for me, it gave me what I needed when I didn't have it so blatantly in the relationship I was in. It gave me connection. It gave me conversation with intelligent people who are thoughtful and kind and generous and loving and intriguing. And it showed me what happens when you prioritize yourself. So many of the people that I spoke with told me about their lowest lows as a part of their journey in answering who are they. And I see it now, you know, I get it. I get what it's like to be at your lowest low And feel like there's no way out. And to ask yourself how this is actually your life. The moments that we sink into. That feel depressing is not even the right word. That feel all consuming. That weigh us down. That disrupt our peace. They're moments. They aren't who you are. They aren't your whole life. And even if those moments are some of the worst moments you've ever had. They're a part of you and your lived experience, and we all share that. We all share the human experience. We all share the reality that pain comes in many forms. Loss comes in many forms. Grief comes in many forms. So does joy. So does abundance. So does gratitude. So does kindness. And if we give ourselves the chance to lean into the good that surrounds us, to open up to the people who are offering instead of withdrawing and holding it in, we start to chip away at those hardened parts of us that couldn't make the best choices for ourselves because we were too hurt. So much of who we become is defined at such an early age where we can barely fathom anything about the world let alone try to understand how what we're learning or what's happening to us would impact us down the line as adults so as soon as you gain the awareness as soon as you start to know yourself enough to ask yourself the hard questions to be willing to answer the hard questions that's where it all comes out you know that's where we are that's where you find yourself beneath the many complex layers Sometimes excruciatingly heavy layers. Layers of shit that no one wants to be tacked under. You are there, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. And you can pull yourself to the surface. It requires patience. A lot of patience. It requires motivation. You have to want to. You have to want to help yourself. Because so many people had said to me, they wish they had said one more thing. They wish they had done this. They wish they had done that. Nobody was ever going to say anything that was going to change what I was doing. I wish it could have, but you know as well as I do that we don't do things that we don't want to do. And once you find yourself, whether it's for the first time or again, in case you lost yourself, or maybe it's a little bit of both, which is what I think happened in my case, what I feel happened in my case. I was in my early 20s. I met this person who was slightly better than the other people that I had dated who were all toxic. And I thought this person really cares. They're showing me. Look at what they're doing. But that's the thing. I didn't know myself then. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I wanted. And I didn't know that I shouldn't settle for so little. I mean, rationally, yes, I knew. But emotionally, it was infantile. It was a desperate plea for somebody to show up and be there and be that person for me. And I wanted so badly to have that person that I was willing to believe that the wrong person was that person. And as I was living in this altered reality, this idea of what I wanted it to be, not being able to fail, not being able to shut it down when I knew I should, I just became more and more entangled in it. And now, almost 13 years later, I'm really proud of myself, even if it took me a long fucking time. Because I've been blaming myself a lot lately for this. I've been feeling ashamed, angry, depleted, resentful, rage fueled, depressed. But those aren't the only feelings that I've had. I've experienced so much joy, so much laughter so much true connection and friendship with the people who both I surround myself with and also those who show up sometimes when you least expect it. And this community that I'm talking about isn't just something that happens. We have to open ourselves up to people. Which is one of the mistakes that I made while I was in this last relationship. I kept a lot under lock and key for my own self preservation. I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to look some kind of way to people stupid, immature, wrong. All because I wanted to prove myself right. (laughs) The problem with that is that proving myself right was just saying, don't fail. It wasn't proving that I was with the person who fit any sort of criteria that I wanted in my life. I just wanted to be wanted. And in feeling needed, I felt wanted. Thanks, therapy. It's pretty astute. So to circle back, the whole reason that I say it is about you, it's about me, it's about who the fuck we are, is because until you know what you want, who you are, And how you're actually going to show up in this world, you're going to have a hard time feeling truly loved. And even if you are with someone who is a great partner and good for you and the right person, you will gain so much more in your relationship by feeling that love for yourself and showing that to that person and letting them in more. Same for your family and friends. Like You can help other people find themselves when you find yourself. It's truly amazing. And a big part of why I can even come to this now is because this year has torn me to pieces, and it's also built me back up. And to be completely honest, I didn't really anticipate... Being built back up. I thought I was going to stay sunk for a real long time. But life has a way of surprising us sometimes, I suppose. And one of the things that I was completely unprepared for was actually meeting someone who saw me, like really saw me, you know, in the way that you want to be seen. Someone who... Brought the joy back to my life, not just giving me moments, but helping me create moments and sharing in those and feeling the strength of what a true connection feels like. I put myself out there because I had no idea what life was going to be like after all this happened, but I had no intention whatsoever, of dating, let alone meeting someone who lights me up, because I had no idea what that felt like. I felt so buried under the weight of someone else's trauma, that created so much of it in my life that I never suspected that somebody would see me and want me, want to be with me for the right reasons. Someone who showed me what it means to be cared for and supported and truly loved without any hesitation, without any expectation. And then to know that I could feel it too, even after everything I had been through, it was a revelation. It was something that, felt like completely wrong timing but it turned the worst year of my life into the best year of my life i'm still not entirely sure how that happens but it did because i did the work and i tried really hard to keep myself above water and I let myself feel the pain and the sadness and the remorse for decisions I did not didn't make. For events that happened. For events that happened to or around me. You know, one of my best friends said to me, I never fully lost myself. And she's right. Because there was a really big part of me that wasn't found yet. It was lingering in there, it was hiding, waiting for the right time to come out. And now I'm here. And this is what you're getting. So I really hope that you can find that too. Keep investing in yourself in your health, in your mind, in your heart, in your body, in your soul, and in your community of people. Because this life is fleeting and the people around us for better or for worse, are going to change the way we think about the world. And they're going to show us how we think about ourselves. And it's our job to distill that down into who the fuck we are. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck Practically Unplugged. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, share with your friends, coworkers, relatives, or anyone you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. And don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram at whothefck underscore Nikki to keep up to date with what's new in my world. Catch you on the flip side.